Houston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. here again across the pond Ronan what's up how's it going man I'm good I'm good I'm just I'm out, uh, getting getting ready to chat some b-ball on a Friday night I'm feeling good yeah if it's, it's Friday night there I try to hop on a little earlier so don't, don't don't count on me being on time every time this is a gift <laughs> this is a gift given to you it's a rare gift but um man I'm excited and you actually have some basketball to watch when it's not like one o'clock in the morning there we have March Madness starting today um, did, did you watch any ball yet? Yeah, I was watching a little bit of um, the Gators, Florida earlier, but I haven't seen any, any of the big dogs just yet. Uh, obviously, not too many of them I've got playing, but I'm looking forward to seeing Gonzaga. I think they play Sunday. That's a game I'm looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's. I feel like that's all the NBA heads were focused on every single Gonzaga game. So we want to see Jalen Suggs. We're focused on maybe some Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. But, you know... I really am always impressed with the NBA nerds who are able to keep up with all these teams and like the most obscure teams, like people who predicted the, uh, the fighting line, I would be a really surprising and strong team. That, that's a game I had to watch because it's a hometown favorite. Um, actually, my dad had gone there too. So I, I remember as a kid, I was a big fan of the line, but they were nothing. But right now I had to catch it because they have a kid named, uh, and, I, and I practiced this beforehand because I, I wanted to make sure I get this right, A.O., the Sunmu, not not to be confused with Ao. Do something you like the Ao. <laughs> I, I got it right, I think. But he, man, he looks impressive, and he's been looking impressive all year long. He's projected as a second round pick, so it's, it's cool to tune in and see some of these uh, upcoming players. He he could he strikes me as a type of player who's going to really start to to rise in uh, throughout the tournament. And it's fun to see that every time it comes every year, see people really start to rise. I mean, after this one game, he had a really impressive outing, 17 points, six assists, 10 rebounds, three steals. And his stock went up three draft positions in his first game. Like it's, it's crazy. It just happened like what, almost an hour ago and his, his uh, draft stocks already going up. So it, interesting to see uh, some of these games, a lot of these players are really going to start to get traction and uh, really get closer to uh, that next crop of young players that we're about to talk about. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of March on kind of the time every year. We kind of the last time we're going to get a real shakeup of kind of drafts, uh, mock draft positions and that sort of thing. And it's something that you always kind of, you try to focus on because when you see changes coming when we're getting close to the draft you kind of don't really think anything of them but when you when you're watching March Madness and the talent of these guys this is the last chance to really shake up the the 
the positions in the draft and where you kind of really take notice and say, yeah, wow, this guy's really, uh, he's really going, this guy's going from 10th to a top five pick. That's that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, man, it's it's so interesting. Like this, like, like I said, kudos to people who watch all year long and are really paying attention to all the trends. But like most of us, this is a story to the name. This is like what we associate with these players. Like Kemba Walker is just eternally defined by by his run uh, at UConn. Um, and then there, there's so many other players, though, that don't really have that. And it's interesting to contrast that with with players who have really hyped up their their draft stock because of it. I mean, like, dude, Joakim Noah is a NCAA legend is his run with Florida. Um, and someone like, uh, AO, IO, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how high he can go up just because of the, the tournament. And if that's a reflection of like his actual value, I think a lot of these players are, are going to really, uh, rise and some of them are going to fall just based on these performances. And think about this time last year when we weren't getting a look at the, uh, the tournament, we weren't getting a look at the, the guys who are rookies this year. I feel like we have so many surprises because we didn't get the tournament, you know, like I, I feel like if we had um, a full year of, of a Tyrese Halliburton and then March Madness, like we might have a completely different outlook on him than we'll have for some of these players. Um, and the opposite too. I mean, how good is maybe James Wiseman? Same thing. We, we didn't get a, a playoff performance for him, a tournament performance from him. So um, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this is going to end up. Yeah, it's cool. I think uh, that's one big thing that uh, we talk about. It. It's 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 been the hardest year in the NBA for rookies with with everything that's gone on, and there's been a lot of guys that have disappointed and a lot of guys who have kind of blown us away. And I think that's something we got to we're going to jump into for almost the first time. We've kind of talked about individuals, but we've never really taken a real look at the the 2020 rookie class, and. We got only one place to start when we're talking about rookies. There, um, there's only ever one place for everything, Ronan. There I know. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's not Emmanuel Quickly. Don't worry. We're talking. We've got, <laughs> okay. It's got. It's got to be. It's got to be Lamelo Ball. I think uh, he is just. Yes. He's, he's just blown everyone away with uh, with his talent this season. Yes. Um, I would say. I would say this for LaMelo. I, I'd say I am not far off from where I thought he'd be if we were talking, evaluating him three years from now. If three years from now, LaMelo was doing what he was doing right now, I'd be like, yeah, that's on the money. They got that draft right. Uh, he's a really creative, uh, awesome playmaker, efficient scorer. Dude, he's doing this in months, in months against all odds honestly like dude when the hornets got him like you didn't really I, I don't think they really expected to have the sort of um impact immediately like that i don't think anybody did but for him to do it there especially it's so impressive um i i'm just consistently shocked and I, i'm not really surprised when i see these records that he's having or these amazing games anymore because i think it's in his dna it's clear that this player um is is going to be a star in the years to come I, I think that's completely changed my mind yeah absolutely i think he he, he this lamello is is the star that we were all told that lonzo was going to be oh you read that too that <laughs> i did i did um, uh, and yeah. i saw that i was just kind of like it's 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 true 
and it, it, it's a fair comment to make. Obviously, I'm sure Alonso here and that maybe that'll that can inspire him to uh, to pick up his game, which he has which he has been doing, in fairness to him. But I mean it should inspire big... Jello more. <laughs> Lamar is... thinks he's better. <laughs> well, of course. We all well, as long as he doesn't get his father's uh feeling <laughs> for just talking crap. I saw that comment he made about LeBron before the Laker game. Lavar is my favorite player, not <laughs> LeBron. When he was I like, hate this kid yeah, so like, much. When he was when he was like, uh, I was brought up in a different house. We never really watched LeBron. He was like, shut the hell up. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm totally sidetracking you. I'm so sorry here, but it's so necessary because you said that. But like, can you just imagine growing up and you're not watching, you know, MJ in 98 highlights of the finals. No, you're like, your dad is coming out and pulling out a, division division 1a i don't even know what division he was in but his uh his old highlights that that's what you watched that's what he watched as a kid and that that's that's sad that seems like child abuse <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be it wouldn't be surprising but back to it the biggest the biggest compliment <laughs> i want to pay Lamelo is his three-point shot that was one of mm-hmm. the biggest criticisms mm-hmm. that was laid on him before the draft and now he is he's knocking it down pretty consistently he's shooting at about 38 percent and the way that was being talked down, it's hella impressive for his first season in the league. Dude, it's, I think it's hilarious, right? Because we really broke down his game ever since he was in high school. Like ever since he was like this scrawny little kid who was launching threes from half court, like his game has been consistently analyzed and broken down and everyone just like they maligned Lonzo is are maligning him for his his form and how that's ultimately going to impact his shooting and the NBA when he has to move and set but like all the people who are highlight geeks who just love to watch his highlights where we're telling us like oh he's fine if he can shoot like that in high school and the, <laughs> the fact that they were right like he he's doing it but with it with no reason I, I I don't understand how like we uh we kind of overanalyzed it and thought he wasn't going to be a good shooter because it's clear that you know he hasn't missed a step since uh since that time, and maybe maybe it'll affect him in the long run in terms of how he um, can play off the pick and roll shooting in different ways. But I think it's it's clear that we overblew his uh, shot form. Same thing with uh, Halliburton. You know, we had similar questions about his jump shot because it was unorthodox. But you know, only one thing matters: does it go in? Yeah, absolutely, and I think yeah, he's having that big impact. He's he's starting now, obviously to to begin the season. He wasn't starting games, but still having a positive impact. He got himself a starting role, and that yeah, and, and he stuck with it. He's he's averaging sixteen, six, six, and six. I mean, he's leading rookies in every category. I think bar blocks. And another big thing is he's impacting wins this shadow team are 20 and 20 they're sitting six in the east and looking really good to uh to be in the playoffs in his first year yeah so yeah i'd I'd love to talk about his game like in detail if we're gonna do that because you know it's not just it's not just the fact that he's shooting better and he's he's scoring better he's playing more defense he's playing um more efficiently but it's like you notice how his play style makes the team better. Like he makes everyone around him score much easier and he has everybody around him passing the ball too. Like it's almost infectious the way that he plays the game of basketball. And, you know, for a young kid, you know, 
one of the youngest players in the league, being a rookie, for him to already kind of mold an entire team around his play style. Like that's 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 something that players don't do until their later star years, you know, where where James Harden is having a whole team mold to his play style and and he's kind of the engine that runs everything. Like LaMelo Ball, like he's already that at such a young age. It, it's it's in the same way Luka Doncic and uh, Trey Young. And I think that's why he's consistently in that conversation now because he's shown it pretty consistently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got he's got Terry Rozier playing like Damian Lillard. I mean, it's freaking, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that's the best that's the best example yet. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable, and it's it's just huge because obviously MJ's time in charge of the Hornets has, hasn't really hasn't really uh, nurtured much uh, success, but he's got a he's got the Rookie of the Year in his team, and he he's got he's got big potential for the years ahead. Yeah, and that makes me think, you know. Gordon Hayward is there to kind of be the, you know, he's the adult in the room and he is a steady, consistent scorer. He can play make, he's going to be a reliable defender. But if Lamella was really that much of a dynamic star already, say by the end of the year, this is still a thing. And uh, even so next year, and Hayward is still this um, consistent star. I don't know. Does Charlotte think about, you know, promoting the development of Miles Bridges, promoting the development of PJ, and maybe even trading Hayward for more youth to, to fit in with this. Because it, it's going to be an interesting early situation of uh, what Hayward dealt with on the Celtics as the youth movement kind of pushed him out. If, if that's on a more accelerated pathway because Lamelo is already kind of bringing the youth movement to a not just interesting standpoint, but a productive competitive standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely a call that they're going to have to confront it in, in in the near future. I think they'll be hoping that it's a they, it's kind of a decision that they're all they'd almost be happy to make because I think it's kind of win win if they've got Hayward still playing and that this that this top level that he's been doing so far this year, Lamelo continues his development and he's looking like that star guy. I think it's kind of a good, it's a good position for, for Charlotte to be in when, if they have to make a call like that. Yeah. And that, you know, they're, they're in a position, man, like they've really done things right. And all that stems from, you know, the perfect draft pick and, and we can opine on this all episode long. So we'll probably stop at this point, but you know, LaMelo is that guy, you know, it's when we say franchise changer, that means so many different things. It's not just a product on the floor, but it's your whole market. Like, you draft a guy like LaMelo, you are smart with your assets, like getting a guy Hayward on a long-term deal who's still productive. And then you still have other young players. Like they're in a position where they can do a lot of different things. Like you said, it's an easy decision to make when you can have option B and C, you could even trade some of your young guys for more stars and compete now. Like there's just so much that this franchise can do. And for a franchise that has honestly been through nothing, because they haven't been relevant. <laughs> like they've been through a lot of nothing. They can finally make some noise and be an interesting uh, headliner. Like the fact that they have national television games more than they've probably had collectively in the past three years and just this year alone, it's it's speaking volumes how much uh, LaMelo is going to change this franchise. But, you know, the light's been plenty on LaMelo Ball. Everyone's got a good dose of LaMelo Ball. So what about uh, the the second star that doesn't burn quite as bright but is bright enough on its own. 
out in the cold mountains of Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is another guy who I am seeing a lot more of the positives out of um, than the negatives. Maybe I'm just it, it, springtime's coming around. I'm, I'm being a little bit more positive. I'm not <laughs> I'm not as negative as I am get, getting stuck in the in the cold. But I've really enjoyed the progression of Anthony Edwards in just this very short period of time. What what, what do you think you've seen from him so far? Uh, I think uh, getting Towns back into the team consistently has, has, has helped his improvement because I think it's kind of over kind of the last like nine, 10 games that that uh, Edwards has really shown that he's got star power. And of course, mm. that game last night was like a like a Minnesota fan's wet dream. I mean, 41, <laughs> 41 points out of Towns and 42 out of Edwards and they get a W. I mean... That's that's all they that's all they could have dreamed for, and uh, that's what they want to see every night. They want to see their two stars coming together and dominating teams, and not only doing that, but also winning games, not just putting on that show, but still losing by ten or fifteen points. That was it. it was it was huge for them, and I yeah. think he's showing that if they don't want to make the same mistakes that they've made with Towns, he's starting to show that he has got the potential to be a star on his own. And they could, not that I think that they will, but they could consider trading Towns and just trying to build Mm. around this guy. (laughs) Man, the NBA is just consistently pastoring every fan base with every trade possibility of their star. And and it, hold on, man. By the way, it's it's. I know it's like nine, ten o'clock over there, but it's still it's still working out. As you're talking about wet dream on on the podcast, <laughs> Jesus. But I can't even focus on that now. Okay, so Cat though, he needs he needed this so badly. He needed to to have another young player around him that is actually going to show some promise because I, I think that relationship with him and Wiggins was fading. I mean, not in terms of their their off court relationship seemed great, but in terms of um, on court, seeing that as being anything productive in the future, that that had basically kind of burnt out almost beyond last season. I think that that vision was lost, you know, pretty pretty early on. I think, but to see flashes of Cat um, playing from the high post and and uh, Edwards just running down baseline and thundering down dunks. It's it's visions of things that I think the Timberwolves hoped would be the case with him and uh and Wiggins. You know, I, I think at this point you you look at uh Delo as a tertiary player. I, I think he he's honestly talked about the most as a player who could just be the second or third best player on a team, on a contending team. And if Delo's your third best scorer on your team, you know, I, I think that's that's a valuable place for him to be. I don't think you need to rely on him to be um, a playmaker. And, and a specific thing I, I've been really impressed with um, in that regard with Anthony Edwards is his playmaking. I, I'm very, I, I think a lot of people, and we talked about this uh, in our earlier episodes about uh, these young guys, is that we didn't see Anthony Edwards as a playmaker because he didn't have enough pieces around him at Georgia Tech. And he had so many missed assists. He he was I'm pretty sure in the top five in uh, potential assists um, coming out of uh, college that year. And now that he has talent around him, 
he can really showcase that along with his athleticism and his ability with the ball. Like even like this, this lefty no look pocket pass that he does on the pick and roll is something you expect players to have, you know, two, three years into the league. And he has that right now. That's not something I, a tool that I thought he had. Yeah. I think I've, I've noticed that obviously he had a very, very mixed start and a very, very slow start to his time in Minnesota. Obviously it was having a big impact not having the cat in the team, but over this kind of last kind of like month long stretch, I've been noticing I've been so impressed by some of his handles in games, mm. some of the ways he, he he's done to kind of get through to get through defenders and get to the rim has been extremely impressive. And I think one thing I'm going to remember about this rookie year, that dunk against the Raptors. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to forget that thing. He, even got, he got four points for that thing. <laughs> Man, we got to give Watanabe credit. And then he was like, I'm always going to jump. I'm going to jump nine, 99 times out of 100, even if I get dunked on. I, I respect that. But that was the the worst body I've ever seen caught on live television in a in a <laughs> NBA game that was insane but I mean that that's like the obvious part right the that we see from him on a nightly basis the athleticism it's just on full display every night and um I mean where I don't I don't know where do you think you rank him in terms of athleticism I, I think I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced that from what I've seen that his athleticism is on par with with the young Russell Westbrook yeah, I like that. Yeah, that that that, that comparison. Yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be right there with you. And I think it's the the fact that we see that that every night, and he almost it's like, almost like a customary thing that he has that that slam that dunk every night where we're kind of just like, oh damn! But now we're kind of just like, oh yeah, you just kind of have to do that every night now. That that's kind of a big thing I'm noticing. We're almost expecting it out of him. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, like we we talk about players often enough because. Um, I think it's important that we change our opinions as like things change. Like no one's ever going to be right about a player or a situation uh, forever. Like things are constantly changing. The league is so dynamic. These players are so dynamic. So for a guy like Russ, who coming into the league was um, talked about as not a good facilitator. And then he became a better facilitator. He became a better rebounder. Like he evolved his, his, uh, his game as the years went on, but I feel like so many people's opinions were so static and stuck in seeing him as a, you know, empty stats kind of guy. But I, I think that Edwards is going to have to continue to keep up this production, keep up this efficiency. And, and most importantly, I think show up on the defense event. That is just definitely something that he needs to improve on. But for the fact that he has a chance to build a legacy, I, I think is, is something is, a pretty good uh, floor to be working from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of, we keep seeing it. it, it it's growth. That's what we, we, we want to see when this is, this is still just a young kid. And the fact that we're seeing growth as, as this, his, his rookie season progresses in what, what has been the most difficult year to be a rookie, that that's a big thing. And, and it's all about, continuing to work hard and yeah like I think the, the offensive game comes kind of naturally to him so that's important that he does the work off the court not that he has that much of a chance to way games are falling uh this year to 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 be able to step up on, on that defensive end yeah and uh 
an interesting note, and I, I think we'll talk we'll talk about some of these players later on, but just on the Timberwolves, they have other young guys too. And Edwards is, you know, much how Obi Toppin hasn't really got a, a chance because there's other other young players on the Knicks who can really prove it right now. Um, Anthony Edwards in that same kind of situation has really shown through and there's just no reason any of those other guys are taking minutes from him. And um, it'll be interesting to see how the Timberwolves approach the deadline with other young guys who clearly are not going to really be there long-term with a guy like uh, Edwards, how that's going to influence that team. So Edwards is a little bit of a franchise changer in a nuanced way for the Timberwolves who are facing a really, uh, really tough spot, but um, you know, good, good, good for them for, for getting that upset win <laughs> over the, over the Suns, but not too many more of those. If you, if you're trying to tank, right. Yes. I, I think that's a, that's a given, but uh, moving over to a guy that's been getting his minutes from the start of the, of his rookie year. Your boy at the Bulls, Patrick Williams, is a guy I want to talk about. The number four pick, the biggest compliment you can pay him is he started every game that he's been a part of, and he's averaging 10 and 5, and he's looking like he's that guy on the court that's just stone cold. He just gets the job done. He doesn't let anything get him down or get him too agitated. And, of course, he very often takes on the elite defensive uh, jobs uh, when they're playing against some of the best guys in this league he's taken on uh, big jobs on the defensive end which is always a big thing when you're looking at rookies yeah Patrick Williams so it's going to be interesting how we view the draft later on because I think a big reason why Williams was drafted so highly is because um, he did a workout with the Bulls in the summer and um, Carter Chauvis loved this guy so much that he that, I mean this is this is the highly touted rumor <laughs> so this is not like confirmed anywhere but this is the highly touted rumor is um that he he definitely did uh work out with them but he didn't disclose anything else but um you know it's it's pretty apparent that we promised him that we draft him there like we knew that he was something special and looking back on how he was just looked at as a sixth man I mean he grew so much from high school to college and his role evolved as the season went on. So, I mean, his stock was rising pretty quickly. And I think a lot of the, the scouts who, who knew this guy, um, you know, aren't very surprised right now. I mean, Patrick Williams is looking like um, to a lot of scouts pretty on par with the wings that we're seeing in this 2021 draft, the, the Jonathan Kuminga's, the, the Jalen Greens of the world. So, to, to have a talent like that, I think, and just in terms of talking about where these guys were drafted and and what that kind of means right now, um, it's it's looking very very good for for where where they drafted. Um, and his encore production, you said it. I mean, he's been a starter. He's been um, one of the more steady players, and it's it's such a surprising um, way that this the season turned out because we have all these other vets. We have Zach Levine, we have Lowry Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. coming to their own. You expected one of these other young guys to step up, but the rookie, this guy has immediately been, um, a reliable on-court producer. Um, I, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's something that you just, you just look at and you're just like, wow, this is one of the one of the more pleasant surprises when you're looking at your rookies uh, midway midway through the season when you see their production levels, and the fact that he's only going to get better. That's kind of the biggest thing you look at. And mm-hmm. the Bulls are looking at him as a guy that they they see as untradeable. 
which is a big confidence kind of boost for him that they believe this is a guy that that is capable of being a starting player in a team that are looking to compete at the very highest level. And yeah, still very early days, but biggest thing you can say about Patrick Williams is his demeanor is what you don't see in a lot of rookies and something that you love to see. I kind of love that when you're watching this guy, he's just, he's so calm. I don't, I don't understand how he's <laughs> yeah. so calm sometimes. It's, it's the Kawhi comparison, man. Yeah. It, it's they're uncanny. I, I hate to do it. Cause I don't like putting that on players. I don't, I don't like always making some of these lame comps, but the comps you like to make nonetheless, because the way that he plays basketball reminds you so much of Kawhi Leonard. Um, it, it even down to like that kind of that low arcing uh, catapult like shot that Kawhi has um, that really um, early good feel around the basket. Like Kawhi, Kawhi was really a, a mid range shooter and around the basket hook shot kind of guy. And Patrick Williams, you know, he's even said it like he models that after him. So to see him employ that same sort of uh, that sort of, same sort of skill set and physicality, um, man, it's exciting. And I got to correct you, man. They the Bulls do not see him as a starting future player. I I mean they I really. I'm really confident the organization sees him as a future star. I, th- I think they're willing to that. That's why if we talk about the trade deadline, we have time for later. You know, I think the bulls are really going to operate with that in mind. They, I don't think they're looking at their other young guys as the future stars. I think they know who their two stars are and it's Levine. And in the future, it's going to be Patrick Williams. Well, huh. Stand, I stand, I stand corrected. Not, not just, not just, not just, not just your starter. Okay. Well, well, you you had to remind me Emmanuel quickly was was better than Derek Rose and all that. So I, I had to, <laughs> I had to give the same respect to on Pat's name. <laughs> all right, you brought up quickly, so now let's talk about Emmanuel quickly. Come on, we had to. Yeah, his name had to be mentioned at some point. Where do you think he would go if uh, we redraft here? We had to redraft. Where where is he getting picked? I think he breaks top fifteen quickly. Just top fifteen. Yeah. Would I, you draft? You would definitely draft him over Toppin. Obviously, I think Toppin yeah. would fall pretty far. Uh, say, do you you draft him over Halliburton, right? Yeah, I will. <laughs> oh, that's a trick question. I will. <laughs> no, no way, no way. Are you, hey, you're <laughs> hey. At, at this very moment, Halliburton, Halliburton has decided that he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be a guy that I love anymore. He's dropping, he's dropping off and, and quickly, quickly he's getting better now. But uh, I mean, if, it, if I was actually making the call, it might be a little, a, a little bit different, but I'll keep face here and I'll say, I'm going to draft him, I'm going to draft him ahead. <laughs> There are no guns pointed at your head. This just came right out. Okay, fair enough. But um, we've we've talked about this ad nauseum at, at some points about like his his future role. But to see him as a starter now and, and see the slow progression, um, I, I think it's it's really um, turning into a reality uh, for them. And you know, I was I'm all I'm all for it. I, I've I've seen the impact he can have, and you know, I I definitely think that to have. A dynamic score alongside uh, R.J. Barrett. I, I think that's important to to kind of take the load off of, of Barrett. Who honestly, I, I don't think he's he's uh, necessarily going to be your go-to score. 
all, all the time. I, I think that's something he he'll ultimately need to share in a competitive version of the Knicks. Um, but I, I think that's great for the development part. And like you said, with Patrick Williams, good to see him already be a productive member and, and help his team in, in ways that you wouldn't expect. But yeah, I'm sorry. In, in the same breath that I that I build up quickly, I have to take Barrett down a little bit. Just had to just had to keep it even. Yeah, but I mean, uh, one big thing quickly. Obviously, he's been coming off the bench mainly for the season, but he started the last couple of games and he started in kind of two of the most the worst games to kind of have your first two starts. First of all, all going up against the Brooklyn Nets and then going up against the, the 76ers. So for periods, I mean, he was going up against Kyrie and then the following night he was go, he was sometimes he'd have to go up against Ben Simmons. So that was a real uh, welcome to the uh, welcome to the starting lineup of, of the NBA. But uh, he's shown he's shown shown himself well, especially in the Brooklyn game. And one big thing I'm, lo- I'm loving about him is the fact that he's been challenged to kind of take on a lot of ball handling and he's averaging just a t- one turnover a game, which I think that's is, huge. Is, a, is real positive. And obviously I'm loving the floater. I'm loving how he kind of, obviously it's a, uh, it's not going down uh, like butter, but it, it's kind of cool that, I, that he's already kind of got his signature little move when he, when he's able to, to make the move inside and let that floater go, it, it, it's working for him. And the fact that he's butter from fr- free throw line as well. That's another thing that I'm liking about this guy. It's it's all positives, and obviously he's got he got a little injury there, but he showed well in, in the first two starts. I wrote that article kind of talking about how he deserves to get into the starting lineup, and he's kind of the main rookie we're talking about in the Knicks because unfortunately for Obi Toppin, uh, like I have him down here as one of the disappointments of, of the draft. He's playing behind Julius Randle. He's not getting any sort of time on the court. Not a bust yet, but he's kind of a, he's, he's almost a, really got stuck by Randall's unbelievable form. And, and Coach Tibbs is just, he's got Randall out there for every possible minute that he can, really. So Toppin's not really getting much of a shout, but it's great that we have quickly as the guy we can kind of look on as the the, the rookie that, that really has shown why we, we traded up for him. Yeah, yeah, and, and you and you mentioned it. Uh, if we're going to talk about Toppin real quick, um, finally come to terms. I think the the fan base that you know you give up the young guy if you're getting this kind of production out of Randall. I, I don't even think it's been a question at all this year. Um, it, it's such an it's such an elephant in the room that their their top ten draft pick is not seeing the floor. Kevin Knox is just sitting on the bench while Alec Burks is getting pl- plenty of run. Um, and then you got Frank the Tank. You're not sure what, what's going to go on with him in the future. And you, you, you're, you're just ha- you got to take your blessings, right? Because there's just so many wasted talents, I think, here. And I wonder if that's also going to be a part of the trade deadline. Um, if some teams can convince themselves to believe in the guys that you, Tibbs is going to continue to cast aside. He's, he's not going to start experimenting with young players. It's pretty obvious that if the Knicks find success in this season, that, you know, these young guys, their careers, there either got to change the role players in the off season and they have to risk not even getting that. Cause I don't think Tibbs has really shown a whole lot of growth there, but they, they better be hoping to get moved to somewhere where they can actually see the light of day. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that, that'll be something that, that topping. And I think even the Knicks, they got to just make a call, really, because, I mean, obviously he's 23. So it'd be unfair to him if they're just going to make him kind of wait around. And maybe if we see a, a drop off from Randall, then maybe he'll get some minutes. That's that's not really fair to him, and it's not not a good move for the Knicks. So I think maybe at the trade deadline, maybe this off season, they kind of need to make a decision on whether or not they want to keep him before he loses every bit of value. Which uh, I'd say his stock is pretty low at the moment, but we don't want to have it at at, at, at its very lowest uh, if. Things continue the way they are. They're going. They might have to just make the call, unless Coach Tibbs has a plan. Maybe he does. Yeah. Who? One other guy. Uh, moving away from the Knicks, all the way out west. James Wiseman. I, I honestly, I don't think I have a very strong take here, to be honest. And maybe that kind of speaks to the. I don't want to say mediocrity. I, I don't know. I, I'll let you go with it because I, I think there's there's just I'll, I'll be like you right now and and say you know it's too too early to judge too early to say anything because <laughs> i that's how i feel i, I just i've seen i haven't seen anything convincing enough I've, I've seen some flashes of of you know that that defense and that rim rolling but um just for the the wizard or the wizards um the warriors i i haven't seen the fit really shine at all in a way that's convinced me of anything yeah no i'd have to i'd absolutely agree i think it's it's just a wrong fit I think that's just the way that that uh, that it's fallen. Obviously, yeah. of course, to stay it's still early days, but I expected to see more out of Wiseman. I think he's kind of lacking on both ends. We see flashes on both ends, but we haven't seen any sort of consistency on either end. He's had some issues with injuries, kind of been in and out of the starting lineup. But yeah, I think the biggest thing with him, I think it's just it, it's a wrong fit, and I'd I'd almost think say I would like to maybe see if they can work some sort of trade. I think the Warriors are a team that want to be active uh, coming up towards the trade deadline. And maybe I'd like to see Wiseman on a team that maybe he'd fit better. And maybe we kind of get to see a guy that was worth the number two pick. Yeah. I think we're seeing two things, maybe one more than the other, but it's definitely a combination of, you know, the Warriors system is, it's complex in a way there's a lot of there's a lot of movements that are that just occur free flowing depending on the movement of, of staff and the way that the floor shifts dynamically on the offensive end isn't isn't necessarily something I think that rookies um, at the center position maybe are ready for and I think that's why Kevon Looney was is such a um, a favorite of Steve Carr because he knows how the system works and he runs it well I mean it and I think it kind of contrasts a little bit with how raw James Wiseman is. I mean, we talked about it all throughout uh, the scouting process about how he only had a few games in college. He hasn't really um, had the experience that even some of these players who played half a season of college had. And on top of that, like there were just still a lot of question marks about his game. So I think he's more raw than I think we expected. And you know, at the center position in that particular system, I think it's not really uh, conducive to his talents that he has right now. And, and you're right. If, if he was in a place where maybe he had a couple of years to figure these sorts of things out, um, I think that would be, that would be necessary. And again, the, these things are keep spilling into the trade conversation, but this is definitely, this is definitely at the top of everybody's list when they think about moves that should be happening within the coming week. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously I keep on mentioning it. It's been it, it's been a terrible year to be a rookie, really, uh, because of the lack of training camp. There was no summer league. Um, the way games are falling so quickly, and, and they're kind of been asked to to almost be like second and third year players in their rookie in their rookie season. And it's just it's it's not it's not been feasible. And I think we've seen injuries, we've seen kind of disappointments. You look at guys like uh Denny Avdija uh, uh, on the Wizards, mm. Isaac Okoro, they're guys that we we kind of would have expected more out of. Two guys that I think still will come good, but they're kind of guys that we would have expected more out of. And obviously injuries have played the uh, kind of big guys like like the likes of Okungwu, Cole Anthony, Killian Hayes, like yeah, uh, those are kind of guys we were kind of expecting to see good yeah. rookie years out of. But of course, uh, injuries are sadly part of this game, and they've they've been played by them. But it would be interesting if, to do a redraft of, the, of this rookie class because I think there will be a lot of a lot of shakeup. There's guys that have been wrong fits. There's guys that just don't suit the coach. And it's it, it's been it's been kind of an interesting one when we look because we look back on this class it's kind of a weak enough class. Yeah, I think that's especially I think we're su- they're surprised. Yeah, yeah, especially what we're we're uh, expecting in twenty twenty one, and uh, it's just it's it's just an interesting one, especially with the, there's been big surprises but also big disappointments as well. Yeah, and I think you know if, if we did a quick redraft one, it's. I think they're the top five might be obvious. I mean, one would be Lamelo Ball, and then and then where do you go with with two? That's definitely Anthony Edwards, and then Manuel cool. <laughs> <laughs> is it Halliburton or quickly? That, that that's a serious <laughs> that's a serious possibility. I, I think you, okay if you're honest with yourself, it's Halliburton, right? Halliburton is is third, yeah. and I think your boy question, say where he is. I, I, yeah, I think Patrick Williams, but I think who would it be instead of Emmanuel Quickly at this point? I'm pretty sure it would be it would be Emmanuel Quickly there at five. I think there's no questioning between anybody else. I think there are plenty of other flashes, but in terms of just raw gross performance with opportunity, I think that's definitely. Yeah, I think those have been the those have definitely been the the top five rookies uh, of of the season, and uh, long may it continue. And hopefully, we're looking back on these guys in another year or two, and we're we're, we're thinking these guys are, are are very close to stardom. Should should we just change the podcast to the Emmanuel quickly and <laughs> RJ Barrett show? Like, can we stop? Have you have you had enough? Is is that enough for you? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. I'll take I I I I'll put a hit out on RJ Barrett right this second just for you. That game I was super disappointed uh, against Philly. Once again, we worked real hard in the defensive end to give ourselves a shot. Randall was struggling a little bit, and RJ had a real easy make inside, and he missed it real badly. And he has got to start being able to make those shots if he wants me to keep on believing in him. He doesn't have the clutch gene. He doesn't have it. This was this wasn't even a re- like it, it was it was like a half floater. It was it was just <laughs> under the basket. He was it was just because there was a guy in front of him that he wasn't able to go up uh, 
for for the layup or the dunk and it was just it was really it was heartbreaking to see that but of course I will say I'm still going to give him time as you know I will but that is something he'd that he'd be 30 he'd be 30 <laughs> you'd be waiting for him to learn how to shoot a three that's uh that's the part of his game that he really he needs to start developing yeah and let's let's do a few honorable mentions i i don't know if you have any but three guys that i've absolutely loved are jay sean tate on the houston rockets we we mentioned him before but as an undrafted rookie dude he's been absolutely diamond on the defensive end he's we we give patrick williams credit for for defending lebron james Kawhi leonard you know, we got to give credit to Jay Sean Tate, uh, Dean up James Harden, Dean up Devin Booker, Dean up uh, Jimmy Butler. I mean, even even an emphatic uh, block against uh, Wood. I think it was last week, but I mean, he's he's been one of the more impressive defenders in the NBA, not just as a rookie this year. Um, and you know, he he looks like a future All NBA type of guy if the Rockets continue to develop him. Um, and I, I don't know if you if you have any uh, other honorable mentions. I, I got a, I got a couple. I got a, I look at the Celtics duo of uh, of uh, Neesmith and uh, Peyton Pritchard. There's guys they've, they've only played limited minutes, but I've kind of liked some of the flashes that I've seen out of them. Uh, they're guys that are kind of slowly showing that they can have an impact in in a team. Obviously, they've it's been very limited and uh, only the occasional flash. Uh, but those are guys that uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of them in, in a team that is never going to be really looking to develop them or kind of really shine a light on, on them at all. Yeah, that's a that that's an interesting one. I, I I think the reason I was super high on Neesmith, I thought that was a fantastic pick. I thought that was really going to do a lot for the Celtics in terms of, of spacing, but it hasn't really worked out yet. And you know, I. It's tough for me to evaluate how Neesmith has struggled um, without mentioning also the the play style of the Celtics that, you know, they, they've really they've in the past few years consistently been in the bottom five, bottom seven in three point shooting um, in terms of volume um, and their efficiency has always been kind of, you know, not never, never better than 15. I mean, they're, they're right now they're sitting at 22nd. Um, and even this year you, you thought you'd get more of that, but I don't think the system is necessarily creating a lot of open looks for the likes of Aaron Neesmith. Maybe he's the type of guy who needs, needs to be elsewhere and more, more trade talks to come will definitely include his name float Peyton Pritchard, who looked like a really, really solid, um, contributor. Um, again, so many, so many rookies this year, man, have been surprising contributors to good teams. Um, you know, some some years we rarely see anybody outside of like the top three or four um, in the lottery and then everyone else is kind of just doing nothing. I think there's a lot of names sprinkled throughout the NBA of of young guys who are are being um, key contributors on whether bad teams, good teams. It's it's surprising. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, long may continue. I think that's something that, that, that you love to see. And I think have you got you got any more guys that. Uh, you want to give a give a shout out to uh, in the rookie class of this year, Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain. They're just two more. They're just perfect. Like if you, if like the Grizzlies put out like a poll 
and then just had to like analyze every single player in, in that year. That would have those two players are just like made in a lab for the Grizzlies, just the way they play. Like Desmond Bain is this, he's he's this dynamic shooter at 6'6", at looking like a linebacker. I mean, he's the perfect defender alongside Xavier Tillman, who looks like a positionless defender at the center position and super active, both of these guys. And, man, you know, the Grizzlies could be buyers here at the trade deadline. They, they could look to convert some of their young talent into veterans, into maybe even a star. We talked to Dreaming a little bit about the Victor Oladipo situation last week. But, you know, if, if they just keep this youth movement going, Guys like Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman add to a collection of just tough defenders who are learning how to be even better on the offensive end. You know, John Moran, as he continues to grow along, like they could have just a really deep team of of grinders. Like we got Grind City growing back again here in Memphis. It's perfect. Absolutely. I think uh, let's. it's time now. We keep on mentioning trades. The trade deadline is approaching. So let's talk about some possible trades that could occur in the next week. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. In the Christmas spirit, we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners, and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod, follow us on Twitter at CoastNBA, and Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast for a chance to win. Now, back to the pod. do you think about um well well first before the, did you the the trade that just happened pj tucker i, I don't want to forget about that you yeah. seem to be a little higher on it than i was you come on me i, I want to hear you you're, you're you spoke really passionately about this i want to hear i want to hear you go well i think for for pj tucker for his side that's awesome Great for him to get out of Houston. You know, he was such a key contributor there for a while. And, you know, he didn't get the extension he deserved for sure. And for him to go to a contender, awesome. Very happy to see P.J. Tucker in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform, playing alongside a guy like Giannis, two tough guys in in the front court, playing positionless uh, basketball on the defensive end. However, man, this didn't solve the glaring problems that the Bucks are going to have in the postseason. Now, I, I think that this for them to number one waste another young talent that they could have could have used in another trade or maybe even developed. I mean, you're running out of picks in young players like you there. 
over they're remortgaging their mortgage continuously every move that they make and dj wilson i think is a fine player that you can include in a deal like you have something um so for that to be their last gamble on pj tucker a guy who's a 31 percent shooter this year he's not going to change their problem with three-point shooting that you know brooke lopez had some unbelievable stretches of shooting but I think it was kind of ridiculous for us to assume that that was going to continue forever. Like he's, he's not this dead eye shooter anymore. So PJ Tucker doesn't solve that problem because that spacing has, has definitely shrunk tremendously since Brooke Lopez's shot has fallen off a cliff and PJ Tucker is relegated to the, to the corner. So he's not going to do a high pick and roll with Giannis at all. Um, so, I mean, in terms of them changing how Giannis plays, I think having a true stretch big might've even had the same impact as, as trading for Tucker, but you know, that, that is all the negatives. I've, I've had a, a minute to kind of think about the positives. Maybe there is some positives to it. I, I think um, Kuruks is a guy who's kind of been thrown to the wayside. You know, he had flashes of promise for the Nets. So you kind of re- recoup on that youth. And maybe that's that's another young guy that, that you can see what you got in a year where you're already pretty confident about making the playoffs. You can insert Kuruks, see if that works out. And to have P.J. Tucker, I mean, that's a guy that you can throw out when you're going to battle against the Heat because – I mean, that's a team that they've got to have on their radar. That's got to be a team that they get revenge on. And P.J. Tucker is kind of like that on a much tinier, very small scale, like divided by a million. It's like their acquisition of Dennis Rodman. It, it's the, the Bulls getting Dennis Rodman to uh, to fight back against the Pistons. But, but like – to the negative hundredth power essentially. But I, I think it's, it's analogous in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think uh, obviously you're taking the strong, the strong negative side of it. I, I understand that. I know you like the positives of the fact that something you were talking about last week with the Rockets kind of getting more youth around their team. So I, mm-hmm. I know you'll like that side of it. And one thing I, I would say is that I definitely think it was a little bit of a panic move from the books they're kind of running out of stuff, moves that they can make really, and they still don't fully believe that they are the an improved team of after obviously the the disappointments of the last two years in the playoffs. You know, mm. we started the whole debacle with Bogdanovich uh, uh, the past <laughs> off season, and then um, it was just kind of okay what the hell else can we do? I think we just kind of have to try and make this deal work. There's definitely a strong element of that. But one thing I would say is the type of player that PJ Tucker is, he's the kind of guy that any team would love to have. And especially a team that are expecting to challenge in the postseason. I think the type of player that he is, he can kind of fit in and he'll just do the role. If you tell him, right, go out in the court and you do this, he will go out and do that for you, which is a, is a big thing. He's always going to have his heart on his sleeve. He's going he's gonna to be an important contributor. He's not going to be doing, he's not going to change anything dramatically in Milwaukee. And there's still elements that they, they, they should have tried to add over him. But maybe we'll, we'll, we'll hear later that they didn't really have any other options other than he was kind of the, the last kind of thing that they could do. He's a lunch pail guy. That's, that's what he is. <laughs> brings his lunch to work in a pail works hard <laughs> he also has the nba's most uh deep and well renowned sneaker collection fun fact 
if you if you need if you need to know anything about a sneaker, you go ask PJ Tucker. He is your uh, your resident NBA sneakerhead. But yeah, that we'll see in the coming days what moves they might have missed out on. Um, you know, you can always play Monday morning quarterback, but if you see some names with similar money go to to other contenders, especially in the East, um, in a year of weird hiccups from the GM front office, it would be another uh, example of kind of their, I don't want to say ineptitude. I mean, maybe that's a strong word, but definitely in terms of creativity and competition with other other teams like they've definitely been behind in that category how they've built their team yeah absolutely and i think sticking with the east one guy who apparently is now off the trade market is john collins i think the the hawks have kind of made the call that due to him still being on his rookie contract they just cannot get any sort of value out of it and making a trade for him at this very moment and they're just kind of going to have to roll the dice and see if he still wants to to sign with them uh, in the offseason. Here's my conspiracy theory. They s- imagine the Pistons in the offseason offer him to like 25 minutes. And that's such a made-up number. I don't know their, their cap space, but yeah, they cleared the books enough to do it to sign John Collins to 25 million. I don't think that the Hawks are going to the tax for that. If it's 25 million is like the number, I, I don't think they're doing it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I probably have to agree with you there. I think you just I, I think they were probably hoping for to 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 make to make a deal, but obviously there were teams in there were there was various teams that that, that appeared to be kind of strong suitors for him. But I guess it's just the fact that they still they they, they don't know if he would sign with them. Obviously, it, they would only really be getting them uh, through this season for sure unless they could have tried to work a way to maybe make them sign something that, to agree to sign with them in, in the off season or something like that. I don't know, but I think we it's... sign trade, maybe. Yeah, it's kind of... It's a difficult one, and, and it's 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 a blow to, to Atlanta. Uh, yeah. But I guess it's kind of on them in a way, but yeah, it's, it, that's a, it, it's, a good, it's a bit of a difficult one for them. The trade market's definitely going to be interesting because a lot of the buyers are Eastern Conference contenders. Um, the Hawks who want to make a deep playoff run, you know, they're not going to help the likes of the Celtics. They're not going to help the likes of the Pacers, the Bulls, um, even the Wizards, the Hornets. They're not going to help out any other teams in a in a conference where, you know, a lot of people are convincing themselves that they could be up next. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think it's 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 just it's such a weird situation. I think the way things seemed kind of they seem to be working with the like young and Collins and kind of the young Hawks team. And then obviously last year he he refused the deal, said he wanted to kind of take his chances, and he's kind of playing to that this year. He's been he's been very impressive. You overaccelerate things. I think that's what it is. You overaccelerate the process. I don't. I don't think that that Trey Young assuming the mantle of the the James Harden type player, having the ball all the time. I don't think he was ready for that. And I don't think the other young players were ready to like not have their chance to to state their 
their value on the team as well. I think for a collection of young players that went from, from kind of showcasing different ways that they could be to just Trey Young dominating everything and the organization pushing so fast to be a playoff contender, um, you know, that I think you accelerate the growing pains over a few years and maybe that's, that brings you to a place that they're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's, uh, I like that. I like that thought. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's good. Thank you. I have like one of them, one of them in episodes that something <laughs> like actually uh, understandable, like an actual real thought comes to my head every <laughs> once in a while. So it's rare. It's rare. Every once in a while it happens. Yeah. And I think, yeah, man, moving on from John Collins, because I think we could go, we could talk about the, the, the problems with that, what's going to happen and all that for, for, for a while. Talking maybe bigs, the Lakers are apparently rumored to want to to sign a big. Two guys that <laughs> for appear... how long now? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Apparently, they're looking at, at about Drummond and Cousins, but I think two bigs <laughs> that I'm looking at are as in are kind of looking to be traded. Uh, guys that are are looking to move on are Drummond and and the Marcus Aldridge. And I think they're kind of both guys that are really going to need a buyout if they're going to get the move that they want. <laughs> Ronan, it's the tale. It's the tale as old as time. Celtics trying to find their their next real big since uh, since Garnett. I guess Horford was that a little bit, but <laughs> since two years ago, that's just been such an issue. And I don't know. Does Drummond does Drummond solve your problems? I mean, he's. I, Tristan Thompson is a better interior defender than Drummond is. How much better of a rebounder is he than, than Thompson? He's not a better shooter. He's not a better screener. So what does that even do for you? I think Sorry, that... I didn't mean I didn't mean to be so negative there. <laughs> I just don't I, I'm I'm so sick of 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 the Celtics not being able to pull off big moves like Ainge is all talk. It's that, that, and you said it like this, this would have been, you know, the same headline four or five years ago, Celtics looking at cousins, Celtics looking at Drummond, Celtics looking at fill in the blank star, and they just never pull through. They have a 28 and a half million dollar trade exception. They're sitting on that is about to turn into a, a pile of meaningless paper. Like they, they're not going to, if they don't, they're one of the teams, I think, that if they don't use that exception, if they don't do something big here at this junction, uh, I don't want to say they're screwed, but their their perception and their standing in the league is going to shift. Yeah, I think that's true. But you know that when I talk about team wanting a big, I said the Lakers, not the Celtics. Wait, you, you, did you not say the Celtics? No, I said the Lakers are looking to bring in a big. That's the rumor that the Lakers are looking at, at bigs to bring in. Not well, I, I think it goes both ways. I was, <laughs> I was honestly, I was waiting for that. That's literally my point. I'm staring at here. I'm like, Celtics are always looking. <laughs> but on the opposite side of the coin, the Lakers are absolutely. I, I just pulled a Paul Pierce right there. Speaking of the Celtics, <laughs> I just basically went off on the wrong. <laughs> but okay, translate to the Lakers, a, a team that you know. They are basically getting whatever they want at this point now that they have LeBron. And Detroit is so notorious for losing valuable things for absolutely nothing. And it would just be another um, another past Detroit player who's going to 
walk into uh, a good situation. Look, look at Tobias Harris. Now you're going to have former uh, Andre Drummond, just just another wasted player. But I, I also, I honestly apply the same sort of thing in the Lakers situation. I, I don't see, I, I'm, I'm not really sure that that's a situation that they really need. I mean, do you, do you see that being a, a big source of need for them? Yes and no. I think it's something you kind of look at now, but obviously we're expecting Davis back soon. And it's something that you you kind of notice, you're noticing that a little bit more now, but I think when Davis is in the rotation, it's something that you're not really going to think about too much. I think maybe Cousins, maybe to kind, as kind of, is he kind of a replacement for well, maybe M- McGee or, or, or Howard were last year? Obviously, Gasol's kind of the main center now, but like last year, they had that about McGee and Anne Howard. Is that that is that kind of the role that they're looking to fill? Kind of a, a, another, because like Montrezl Howells is that is that a little bit different? I I think they'd neither of them give them. Yeah, not, not, neither Drummond nor Cousins really provide the weak side um, rim defense that that you would get with McGee. Um, that you got with Howard. Um, they, they don't have, I think, the same lob threat that either Howard or McGee had. That So I, I think their their styles of play aren't, I mean, they're both big centers and they're, they provide the bodies in terms of, of screening and, and rebounding, second chance points, that's huge. But it, it's like the specific styles that I think really made Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee successful alongside LeBron and those Lakers teams last, last year. It's, um, it's not it's not the same style. I, I don't think it replicates that impact as much as some people might think. Yeah, yeah. What about LaMarcus Aldridge? Maybe we'll look at it. Say they, the Spurs, they do buy him out. Three teams that are apparently looking at him are Boston, Miami, and his former team, the Trailblazers. What would you think? <laughs> I Listen, I would love for the Trailblazers to to trade for LaMarcus Aldridge if, if that was a secondary move. Because I think that the Trailblazers are a team that, that has young assets. They, have, they still have their picks. They have young assets. And they have some, some good um, contracts. They have bargain contracts at the wing position. They, they have them on, on good team-friendly deals. So they have the resources to go out and make a big trade. If there's a big trade to be had, there's a big name to be had, um, you know, we're, we're here and it's not going to be Bradley Beal. Who, who knows? You know, we, we always hear reports like that. We don't know what ends up happening. Um, but what it, uh, the Wizards said, they're not trading John Wall three days before they trade John Wall. So I, I, you never know what's going to happen no matter what anybody says. But they, the Blazers should be making a primary deal to bring in a star. And listen, if LaMarcus Aldridge is that big that they bring in to bring them to the next level, for him to make a homecoming there, I think would be perfect. Uh, the the way that him and Lillard had played in the past, I think that translates even better now, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It would be cool. I think uh, the Blazers are definitely a team to keep an eye on now, the second half of the season, now that McCollum's back, and the fact that they're likely to, to be be active uh, approaching the trade deadline there. They're kind of an interesting uh, team to, to, to be keeping, uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, another team in the West that are kind of similar in that, Ilk is the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers being linked with a move for Lonzo. 
Ah, uh, no. We room with them for. I the more I think about it, I I don't like it. I, I think the Pelicans are are going to ask for a lot from Lonzo. I, I think Lonzo is really coming into his own as you know that he's not their superstar, but he is absolutely um, a integral part of how they play and how they've been successful. Um, his spot up shooting has been excellent. His movement off ball has been excellent. His defense has been so important, and you know his playmaking. It's always keeping a team that is always starving for assists. Lonzo Ball is their machine for assists. If they take that away, they take away a lot of their offense. And if they're going to be competitive with Ingram, be competitive with, with Zion. Um, I, I'm not sure that the Clippers give them enough back to, to make that work. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be inclined to agree. I think it's kind of the the way that the, that it's going though with the Clippers, the fact that they're they're kind of almost actively pursuing a guard. We're seeing them linked with lots of guys. I think you uh, you sent me that that link the other day. They're they're looking at, at a move for for Westbrook as well. Is that them? They've got obviously they had new uh, coach change uh, after last year. Is that him kind of giving up on Lou Williams, or maybe is Lou Williams just starting to to show his age maybe and is dropping off his production levels a little bit? Yeah, I think Lou Williams had an excellent year last year and and before that, and he's always been a consistent scorer, but um, I I do see a little bit of regression, and you got to give credit to the chemistry he had with uh, Montrez Harrell previously. I mean, those two guys together were spectacular. They were leading the league in uh, pick and roll efficiency. Um, so I, I think a little bit has changed in terms of his role um, and not having as successful as a, a rolling partner as he did before. So I, I think that that the Clippers have to look elsewhere um, for how their team has been built out. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that's even going on getting a big, not getting rid of getting rid of uh, Lou, but maybe maybe finding a way to to bring in another big who who might that who do you have any ideas of a guy that they should maybe look at? I mean, I I think about, <laughs> but how, how how many times can the can the Clippers uh, suck uh, forwards and, and bigs out of the <laughs> out of the Raptors? Because <laughs> I, I see a guy like Aaron Baines, that would be a huge pickup. I mean, I I was thinking Lamarcus Aldridge, guy like Aaron Baines, um, Nemanja Bjelica from from the Kings. All bigs that definitely are for sale and can be targeted by, by the Clippers. Um, they, if, if they can, if they can do that, maybe they can bring back a little bit more of the the dynamic play that they have on their bench. But you know, it's there. I think the the scoring production is there. You know, I think the presence of of uh, of Lou Williams has definitely diminished to the point where they need to, I think, change things up a bit. Um, but I think particularly for the Pelicans, you know, I, I haven't seen any news about them reaching out to other teams, finding out the value of uh, Alonzo. I, I think they're going to stick with him uh, unless a very, very enticing deal is presented. Yeah, and they definitely should because I think he is, he's continued to kind of improve his game as the season is progressing. And he's becoming a crucial part of, of what the Pelicans are trying to do. Well, another guy that's kind of doing that as well is Russell Westbrook. Uh, that that link you sent me the other day, where he was being linked with the Clippers. If that <laughs> deal were to happen, all I would say is, Wizards, you have got to be uh, you, you have to trade Bradley Beal if you are going to trade away Russell Westbrook. 
because Russell Westbrook and Beal are really starting to click now. Things it's it's starting to look a lot like a lot of fun uh, uh, out on the court. Obviously, it's still not translating into anything overly consistent in terms of uh, in terms of wins, but the guys are starting to click on the court. I mean, look at that game last night. What did Beal drops forty three? Westbrook had a thirty five point triple double. It's clickbait, man. I don't think it's real. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. I, I can't see that happening. I, I think, you know, the, the Wizards, if they're not going to trade Beal, you know, I, I think they're just going for whatever success they can get out of this group. You know, they're, they've breathed a sigh of relief as Beal has continued to be loyal and, you know, they've shown whatever um, progression that they have this season. But I, I don't, I think that the Clippers, as, as is, in relation to them, I think they've, they've kind of hit their, their boiling point. I, I don't think they're, they've have a lot of moves left in them. They're, they don't have uh, the picks. They don't have the young players. They don't have the movable assets. Um, you know, if Daryl Morey was there, maybe I I'd, I'd think they might be something crazy on the horizon, but I think they're going to stay as is at this point. I, I'm, I feel confident that it'll be more of continuity, maybe adding another big, something like that, that will galvanize them. But um, I feel pretty confident in that. Okay, so you got any? You got any other trade talk you want to drop on me? I, I want to drop some some players who you know we love movement. We don't always know where, but you know there's there's a lot of buy low opportunity, and especially in a market like this right now where um, there's not a lot of of sellers. Um, it's it's important to find a good deal. You always like a good deal. Look at the magic. There's been so many. Um, trade rumors associated with them. Um, some probably generated by the teams asking, um, but it seems like their whole roster <laughs> almost is a candidate for for a good deal. Same thing with the Kings. You know, you're you're talking about your Harrison Barnes. You're you're talking about your your um, Terrence Ross. Talking about your Evan Fournier. You're talking about big deals even for our Vucevic, possibly Bagley. Like, there's a lot of players on these two teams that I think are really tinkering on the edge of, of playoff relevancy versus um, continuing to rebuild. And I think, you know, that's going to be a decision that's made pretty quickly. Um, it's unfortunate for, for the magic, you know, cause they've just had injuries really hurt their progress after having a playoff run last year. Um, but I think all those guys are definitely going to be ramping up over the next week as, as trade talks continue. And um, I, I'd be interested to see what the price would be for even a guy like Mo Bamba. He has barely seen the floor, mm. barely seen the floor. Ken Birch has completely um, just eclipsed any life that Mo Bamba's NBA career has had the past couple of years. And a team could easily convince himself that, you know, there's still something there to be found there's still he's still so young he's still so just physically gifted can someone actually pull that out of him and you know given the market it is he could be a really good uh be had for a really good price yeah definitely i think the guy you see kind of almost linked the most with it with a trade is aaron gordon and mm-hmm. i think yeah. if a guy like him or maybe fournier or something like that was traded by the Magic. I feel like that would maybe start a bit of a trend in the Magic team, and then maybe they would, they would look to start kind of moving a lot, a lot of the pieces uh, within their team. I think, mm-hmm. 
they don't obviously they wouldn't want to get rid of Vucevic, but I think he's not a player that you can just kind of trade all the talent you have around him and try and keep. Really, I think if they're gonna go and and look at trades for like the likes of uh, of Fournier and Gordon and and other guys like that, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to trade uh, Vucevic as well and maybe just kind of go for for a complete overhaul. Yeah, it's it's so confusing what their core is, though, right? Like maybe I think you know for people outside the Magic, they're looking at this team like sell, 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 and you know it's it's very possible that they're pretty comfortable to run next year with a healthy Jonathan Isaac. Um, they continuing continually uh, solid star in in Vucevic. I mean, these this season isn't really that surprising to us. I mean, he's been this productive. Um, for the past few years, uh, running a core of them. And then, then you have other young guys that think that are going to develop. So I think they can definitely convince themselves to stay out of it, but it it's, it's seeming like they could make a deal here. Um, so it could be like the complete, like you're saying, like once you roll the snowball, you trade one guy, then it almost seems like the justification comes for just starting a new rebuild here as they've maybe kind of stagnated with the amount of talent they've had. Um, but I mean, the Knicks, on the other hand, or the or they're, they're also on my list here. But the the Kings, at least, the the Kings, it feels like are being pushed into a sell mode. It, it seems like they they have enough to make make more of this rebuild happen, but they don't have enough to be in the playoffs. They they can sell Harrison Barnes and get a really good return on it. Um, you know, they can they can sell Rashawn Holmes get a good return for it. And I, and I think maybe that this is another, <laughs> another heartbreaking turn for a team that's just been knocking on the door to the playoffs for so long now. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is that they know they at least kind of have a couple of guys in Fox and Halliburton that they can kind of get behind. Obviously, I think, I'm not sure if it's kind of the start of the season or, or the last offseason, there was a lot of strong talk that, that they wanted to move Buddy Heald on. Yeah, it's it's surprising that hasn't gone. That hasn't accelerated at all. That's that's been the most latent news, and I think a combination has been, you know, the 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 shooting that he's provided has been pretty important to to Fox's development. It's it's true, but um, I, I think maybe a lot of it has been attributed to his lack of noise. You know, a lot of a lot of that was self inflicted by Buddy Hield. I think we can all agree Buddy Hield's a bit overpaid right now. But if Buddy Hield accepts his role as an elite shooter, an elite elite shooter, and not the guy. Um, you know, I think the trade talk goes down. The, as the more he accepts his role and and contributes to the development of the guys around him as an elite shooter, um, I, I think the the more he fits with this team. So it's really it's really up to Buddy in this case, and I think the reduced trade talk is going to reflect that. Yeah, definitely. I think I'd I'd, uh, I'd absolutely agree with you there. But yeah, I think uh, going back to the Kings as a whole, it, it's just it's another. It's just, it's like a fear thing with them. It's like they, they kind of feel like they know that they still have a lot of moves to make to make this into a team that's going to compete for the playoffs. But they're also kind of like, surely we don't have to go through this this position again of still having to look constantly to be making moves in order to have a competitor. Yeah, like we, like we talked about it on Don't Trust the Process. I think they're they're never gonna trust whichever way they go because mm-hmm. they could be stuck here or you know this is a good draft over and over again. This is this is a draft where you can 
you can make something happen. So if you're getting if you're getting a good pick out of some of your guys, I think they they absolutely have to jump at that that opportunity. Um, but it's, since we're kind of running out of time here, I think another uh, an important thing that I wanted to to put out uh, is a guy that hasn't been talked about at all. It's is Kevin Love. I'm I'm really confused why Kevin Love hasn't been floated around as much as I assumed he would be this year, especially with the um, with the emergence of Larry Nance, Kevin Love seems to be the perfect trade piece, especially for a contending team. Um, we talked about uh, a few few different teams that I imagine Kevin Love on on the Trailblazers. Yeah, I mean, moves like that I, I think would are are definitely uh, haven't haven't hit the rumor mill yet, but I I hope it does because I mean for Kevin Love he's still got something to give. And the Cavs are are kind of hitting the very, very short glass ceiling they had this season with their little run, but it's clear they still need to build. Yeah, most definitely. I think uh, obviously the money issues are kind of the only thing that would deter teams maybe making a move for Love. But I think you could get him for a pretty decent price, and he can be a guy. He's shown that he is a guy that's capable of contributing on teams that are challenging for championships and maybe he's not the guy that he was what with the injuries and just natural progression with his age but this is still a guy who could be a key contributor and he's not a guy that's gonna cost you too much it's just whether or not teams are willing to take the chance with the with the size of contract that he has yeah i I think that you're right about the price that that's the that's the thing right there is is he going to be worth essentially a late first round pick and a young guy um, or even just a, a role player that, that, that could easily end up being the case. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see as, as this goes on. I, I think I've covered most of the interesting uh, names I have here and we've, we've done good not to go too far here, but I think we're just about out of time. What do you think? Yeah, I think we got a good today. I think one more, one last guy, I just got a quick, quick yes or no. You think a contender should maybe look at a move for Larry Nance Jr.? Uh, yes. I mean, absolutely. I, I think compared to Kevin Love with especially the deal that Larry Nance is on, the, it would take a lot of picks. I, I think the Cavs would be selling only if it's a lot of picks because, you know, you, you definitely see his fit alongside their core. And, you know, that that's that's a huge thing this year. I, I think uh, a lot of GMs have, have been really coming out and saying that, so many teams are convinced that they are on the right track, that they're competing and that their assets are so much more valuable than other teams because of, you know, the, the market right now. So if Larry Nance is going to be had for, for two first round picks or something like that, I, I would not like, even if they're late first rounders, that would probably be the price it would take. I mean, um, I, I don't think that anyone's going to, going to do that. I, I just don't think the the value that he is to the Cavs right now is commensurate with what the, what the offering price would be. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that's that, that's all out of me. Everyone, make sure you keep your eye on uh, Wodge's uh, Twitter feed and uh, Instagram account as we approach the trade deadline. I think we'll be doing our next podcast probably uh, a day or two after the trade deadline. So hopefully we'll have some interesting uh, trades to, to talk about then. I think March 25th is the trade deadline. Am I right there? Yeah, it feels like it, a year away. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the way enough. time goes at the, uh, 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 in, the, in these times, unfortunately. 
Yeah, you're, you're not kidding. And uh, hopefully we have some uh, really uh, fun March Madness stories. It, it's great to have something like this uh, during, during these times, especially the way that NCAA kind of disappeared from our lives last year. To see these kids have a chance to make a name for themselves and really cement their legacy and, and make a push for uh, the league, it, it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. Until next time, my friend. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment